Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. so far I've ever heard. Uh, I can tell you that I have two here at home, and Leah can, can blow both of them better than uh, than that. But nonetheless, that's our best uh, effort for a show far. Um, Monday, according to the rabbis, is um, Rosh Hashanah, beginning of their high holy days. Uh, Tuesday, if you are into the absolute skinniest of all possible interpretations of astronomical is the beginning of Teruah. Uh, or if you would like a little uh, a little bit of light on your moon as you start the new month, the seventh month of the year, Tuesday uh, is the uh, astro is uh, should be Wednesday is the uh, observational um, time. So as I look at the the evolution of the light on the moon, I'd say that the rabbis are lost in space, but that's not uncommon. Uh, and if you're a, going to be really precise with the astronomical stuff, you could probably claim Tuesday, September uh, 7th. As for me, I think I'm going to celebrate Teruah on September 8th. It is a little tough for me, though, I, I have to tell you, to celebrate Teruah, because um, for the last 20 years, I have Teruah 360. I have Teruah 365 days a year. It's, it is just what we do. Um, I first met Yawa on a Teruah in 2001, and here now, 20 years later, we're celebrating Teruah in 2021. I have read a bunch of articles. My favorite news source is the Jerusalem Post, and I. I scan for the stories that I'm interested in, about 30 different uh, periodicals and uh, uh, news agencies a day for uh, 
for you know just the news to keep current on what's happening around the world. And I have a decent filter of knowing when they're lying and when I'm reading something that is uh, reasonably accurate. Uh, and in the uh, Jerusalem Post, of course, they're, uh, uh, they're entering what they call their High Holy Days. And High Holy Days begins, and these guys are religious. They actually think that what they're doing is good, including the current um, prime minister who is uh, Orthodox, uh, they actually believe that really? it is appropriate for them to be celebrating the Babylonian head of the year. And they call themselves Torah observant, and they speak all over their Torah, although it's the Babylonian Talmud that is their Torah. And then they celebrate a Babylonian holiday and completely ignore Teruah. You will never have a rabbinic Jew, Orthodox Jew, Hasidic Jew, Mention Teruah. I've got a clue what it's for. And they celebrate Rosh Hashanah as one of the four Jewish New Year's. And they've incorporated it into their high holy days, which uh, would then, of course, uh, include their Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Again, in rabbinical malfeasance, they call it Yom Kippur. It is never in the singular. Yahweh never uses Kippur to describe the date. It is always Kippurim, which is the plural. It's the day of reconciliations. And in a true rabbinic fashion, where everything has to be convoluted and twisted, the opposite of what Yahweh wanted, um, Yom Kippur is not a day of reconciliations, not for the Jewish religion, no. It is a day of to afflict one's soul, to debase oneself. So we'll get into uh, more of that uh, as we proceed with the program. We did spend a better part of a month speaking about Teruah. So even though Teruah uh, can be observed, depending on your, your choice, Monday, uh, September 6th is coming Monday, Tuesday the 7th, or Wednesday the 8th. Uh, choose whichever one you think uh, fits the description the best. Um, the uh, the fact is we've just started a series on Kapodim, and we're going to stay with that until I cannot uh, handle the urge anymore, and we get into back into what has become now the uh, opening chapter of the introduction to God, which will now be volume one on the bookshelf. And it has a chapter, uh, now it's just a scant 105 pages, I think, at last check, that I finally finished, but I'm uh, rereading and editing and smoothing out and trying to, now that I know where it ends, trying to, um, uh, to be consistent all the way towards that end. And we will eventually get there, because it is the ultimate uh, test. It says, it's basically, why you, why me? Why are you reading this? Why are you listening to this program? And why am I here telling you about Yahweh? And that is what it's about. And we'll start with the 91st Psalm. We'll go from there to uh, Samuel, um, in the, uh, which is now Second Samuel 7. We'll go uh, to the speech that Solomon made at the dedication of the first house of Yahweh, and after we do that, we'll go to the chapters, the introduction of uh, the sucker in Yeshaya 11, 
And then there's one cohesive story from Yashaya 55 all the way through 65. One topic, one story, 10 chapters. And the story is about us. And so we will get into uh, to that as we, as we move into future programs. I do want to cover uh, a couple of items uh, quickly in the news. One is that mm-hmm. uh, California has a uh, new uh, policy. Uh, Kirk, I'm, I'm hoping that you're a beneficiary of it. Um, the, uh, the, the policy sure provides, provides $300 a month. And what California is doing, Four. and the, the, the liberals in California are, are so unbelievably immoral and stupid. They're literally rewarding bad behavior. If you have been a murderer, if you've been convicted of gun crimes, they are going to offer you $300 for every month that you don't shoot somebody. <laughs> are you kidding? Did you read, read that? Did you not? No, it's, uh, it's called the Dream Keeper Fellowship. Uh, and they're going to begin by paying uh, $300 a month for the people most likely to shoot somebody to not shoot somebody. You get a $300 bonus if you go the month without shooting. But it's uh, the Dream Keeper Fellowship is uh, designed exclusively to transfer monies that were for just generic things to keep the state operating to uh, – uh, to policies advocated by Black Lives Matter. Um, so <laughs> they're going to play. It'd be a, retro- uh, if, you, if you hadn't uh, shot anybody for years, it'd be Black, retro- black youth, which are you know, responsible for 93% of the murders of, of, uh, of blacks, uh, they're going to pay them $300 a month not to go off Thank and, uh, and <laughs> wow. shoot their brothers and sisters. Oh, that is, wow. That is where we uh, have uh, have come. I thought that you might well, want to. Uh, know that. I was hoping thank maybe you. you would qualify. I, I was. Uh, I don't know what you have to do. Do you have to go like stand on a street co- corner and hold up a AK-47 and shoot bullets up in the air and say, you know, uh, here I am, take me. It's kind of like the uh, Yasha Yah thing. Uh, Biden, by the way, was uh, was uh, talking about the uh, U.S. servicemen that he sent back into Afghanistan to cover up his stupidity um, and, uh, and said, yes, it, uh, it reminded him of the story of, uh, for the prophet of Isaiah, where uh, uh, these uh, fine young men and women who were America's soldiers said, uh, send me. Who are you going to send? Send me. That was his explanation of, uh, of Isaiah. Mm. Um, uh, that's not what he's talking about there, uh, pal. Um, but nonetheless, there you go. Uh, the last item I want to mention quickly, the news was that, you know, there were uh, a little over a hundred thousand people evacuated from Afghanistan and they went to, uh, Europe and they went to the United States and the Americas. Guess who didn't take them in? Islamic nations. Um. Oh, they're they're standing oh, really? they're, 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 oh, yeah. trying to go into Pakistan. Oh, yeah. Pakistan won't take them. No, no. Saudi Arabia doesn't want them. Kuwait doesn't want them. Lebanon most certainly not going to take them. Nope. 
Now, Muslims are all mouth when it comes to blaming non-Muslims for harming Muslims, and yet they do nothing for their own. Now, let's turn to um, the Torah, and we're going to talk about uh, Yom Kippurim. The passage we were analyzing was, Then Yahweh declared the word to Moshe, which means the one who draws out, saying, Exclusively, Ach, during the tenth of the seventh month, time of renewal, Kodesh, is the day of reconciliations, Kaporam. It exists as a set-apart and special Kodesh, invitation to be called out and meet, Mikra, for you to approach, La'atem, that would be the plural of you, for you all to approach. Then your soul, wa'eth nefesh atem, should respond. Your soul should respond. Ana, and appear before, kareb, the feminine manifestation of the fiery light, ishe, to approach la, Yahweh. All right, so then Yahweh declared, Yahweh's name is listed twice in this single statement. Then Yahweh declared the word to Moshe, saying exclusively, emphasizing this point, during the tenth of the seventh month, is the day of reconciliation. This exists as Haya, a set-apart and special invitation to be called out and meet, to proclaim, to be welcomed, for you all to approach, then your soul should respond and appear before the feminine manifestation, the fiery light, to approach Yahweh. I would have a question just before we get any further, uh, Kirk. Since it's your soul that is being summoned or invited, depending on your perspective, how does one afflict the soul? Have you ever take your soul out and say, whoop you, whoop you, soul, I'm going to deny you, no food for you for a week, soul. No. You ever heard of a soul dying of uh, thirst? No. No. Ain't gonna happen. No. We're talking physical bodies you can afflict. Souls? No. Well, this is what the JPS, the Jewish Publications Society, did with that statement. The Lord, you think that they can't read Hebrew with with the Jewish Publications Society? You think that uh, when they say yod hey wah which are the same letters that uh, are uh, in uh, Torah, uh, for example, uh, the, actually these letters are in Haya, the very verb that's in here. Do you think they just see it and say, oh, it's in that name, we can't pronounce it. Let's change it to the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses. Not Moshe, by the way. They ought to know how to pronounce uh, the man's name. Moses is a Greek name. Moshe means to draw out, which is meaningful. Saying, Mark. You think they're um, encouraging <laughs> Jews to read the, the gospel? You know, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark, where are you, Mark? The tenth day, by the way, there is no day listed in the actual text of this seventh month is a day of atonement. It shall be, in singular, it shall be a sacred, not set apart, occasion, not mikra, for you. You should practice 
self-denial. Well, I guess if you practice it, you'll get good at it. If you practice it enough, <clears throat> will you be able to deny a soul? I don't know. Is there is there an Olympic uh, event called uh, practicing self-denial? <laughs> will the Iranians boycott it if they have to compete against the Jew? I don't know. These are questions, though, that you, you need to know the answer to some of these questions. You need to know that, yeah. Yeah, this is need-to-know stuff. And you, uh, shall bring an, you shall bring an offering. What? Blaming matzo balls? What, what are you supposed to bring? An offering by what? fire. Go <laughs> <laughs> uh, build a fish flambe? I mean, what? what, yeah. what? An I offering by fire. I, mean, I really like based galasta. I mean, it's uh, it's... It's all fluff and uh, and fire and, and nothing else. But you know that is an offering to the table by mm-hmm. fire is uh, baked mm-hmm. uh, Alaska. There's you know there's cherries jubilee. Those are the two that I know. Oh. Cherries jubilee and baked Alaska, which are an offering by fire. Uh, I guess it should be one of those two. Uh, and you're bringing okay. it to the Lord. The Lord. Well, the Lord. Yeah. Now last program as we uh, transition to the uh, recorded part, non-broadcast part, we shared the following: that mm-hmm. in the opening sentence, the brain trust at the Jewish Publication Society ignored the beginning wall, changed Yahweh to the Lord, inadequately rendered Debar, misspelled Moshe, incorrectly translated Ak, ignored Ba and added the first day without textual support. In the second sentence, they mistranslated Kodesh and Vikra, which are the only two words which matter in that sentence. In the third statement, they completely ignored Nefesh, because, of course, it doesn't suit their agenda. And then they mistranslated Anah, changing it from you should respond to you should practice self-denial, which, by the way, have nothing in common. Then they, um, they changed Ishe, which is either fire or female, and it became offering by fire. And for bad measure, they replaced Yahweh a second time, changing it to Satan's title, the Lord. Besides that, they really did a fine job. I really have no criticisms with their translation. Of the 37 words, including prepositions and articles and conjunctions in Yahweh's declaration, there's only one that was subject to interpretation, Ishe. Therefore, other than being dumb, blind, and religious, there is no excuse for the remaining 37, or excuse me, 13 mistakes. 13 mistakes, yeah. Yeah, 13 mistakes in uh, 37 words when uh, most of the things they got right were things like uh, bah, <laughs> you know, the preposition. Oh, but good for them. Uh, going out on a limb here. I'm, they do I'm this gonna, for a living, right? I do this for a living, yes. I'm, uh, no, I'm, I mean, they, 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 oh, well, they, they do, do it this for, this for a living. living. I do it for a living, too. I, I do it for a living. They do it for money. Uh, yeah, so yeah. It's a, but, you know, I do it for a living. It is, it is my life. Yes. Going out on a limb here, I think we can credit Yahweh with knowing his own name. Just saying. Good. Okay. Oh. I, I think so. And since okay. he declared these words to Moshe, he thinks that men have to be exceedingly full of themselves to replace God's name with the title of their choosing. But at least they were consistent, and that could be a good thing. 
if it weren't for the fact they repeated the same mistake. Ah, folks, this is sad. All right, we covered many of the words leading up to karab in our last program, so I'm going to skip down to uh, karab. It's, it is a verb. Um, it appears 300 times in the Torah and Prophets. So it's a very common verb. Its meaning is so clear that to misrepresent karab uh, suggests that one has the intent to deceive. Karab conveys to approach or to draw near, to be present in close proximity. It does not mean, as the Jewish Publication Society published, bring or bring an offering. Karab is to be present, not to bring a present. This is not rocket science here. No. Now, in our initial encounter with Isha, um, or you could pronounce it Isha if you uh, prefer. Isha would be uh, female. It's Ish, but with the A ending, making the individual a female. Uh, a mother, a daughter, a, uh, a wife, um, a woman, a girl, Isha. Isha, which is written exactly the same way in the Hebrew text, is the feminine variation of Ish, which is fire. Um, and so you've got one of those two choices. Those are your only two choices with Isha. You cannot... Render it, make an offering by fire. You can render it a feminine manifestation of a fiery light, or you can render it female. Okay, so since it says come into the presence of, approach and draw near, I think just rendering it fire, forgetting that it's feminine and, and making the necessary connections to understand what God is offering, is pretty criminal. This is the high holy days, and this is supposed to be your time of affliction. Why in the heck would it be so terrible to come into the presence of a woman? Just a, just a question there. Because if you're yeah, going to render Isha woman, which is what Isha means, why would it be so afflicting, so terrible? to come into the presence of a woman. I guess the woman could be like my ex, and, you know, you've got a point there. But that's not, not what God is trying to convey. <laughs> Pardon me for a moment. Okay. Yeah, excuse me. Okay. But uh, I just look at the possibilities here, and we want to be forthright. The same word written the same way is either the feminine verb variation of fire, the symbol that Yahweh used to present himself to the children of Yisrael, the symbol that Yahweh used when he introduced himself to Moshe. So this isn't hard. If God uses the term fire in conjunction with himself, it is either himself in his maternal or paternal role. Fair enough. That's great. So, I mean, pretty straightforward. When God introduces himself to Moshe, what does he say? I presented myself to him as Ish, the fire. And so Isha, which is the feminine variation of fire, would be the feminine maternal presentation of Yahweh's fiery light. The maternal manifestation of Yah's light 
is the Ruach Kodesh, the set-apart spirit, our spiritual mother. Now, in the latter case, the case of a female individual, since Yahweh refers to himself using Ish, an individual, when Yahweh met, for example, with, um, with Abraham, you know, Abraham was hanging out in the front of his tent, and, uh, and three Ish appeared, and one of the mm-hmm. Ish was a, a corporeal manifestation of Yahweh, with uh, two supporting individuals. Uh, next to him, but it was presented as Ish. Yahweh uses Ish, uh, the Hebrew word for individual, when presenting a corporeal manifestation of himself. So it's throughout the uh, the Torah, mm-hmm. which is simply now the masculine variation of Isha. So it would be appropriate to apply the feminine form to the Ruach Kodesh, because the set-apart spirit represents the entirety of the maternal aspects of Yahweh nature. Now, while fire is germane to Ishe, it cannot rationally or etymologically be extrapolated as an offering made by fire. Should you be orthodox, do you actually believe that Yahweh wants us to approach him, bringing a, well, to use my last example, a gabilda fish flambe, how about burnt matzo balls? What is it you're going to bring him in, uh, that's uh, flaming? And why would anyone, this is another good question, why would anyone be bringing anything to the fire that was an offering and thus edible if the Day of Atonement is supposed to be a fast? That's a brilliant point. Do you suppose that the religious think that God wants to eat while the faithful are depriving themselves as if replicating the scene in a concentration camp? I mean, is the Hasidic God that perverted? Or are they the problem? Apparently so. Yes. I think it's, them. it's the same I attitude think, think, that, that has, the, has the Canaan celebration of the Seder at Passover. All vegetables, no lamb. Yahweh chose to manifest himself, his presence to the children of Yisrael, consistently as an ish fire for a reason. Fire provides light. What did Yahweh say? I am light. Fire provides light. Fire attracts attention. What's Yahweh trying to do? Get our attention. Fire is warm and beautiful, isn't it? I understand the mindset. I mean, it's a terrible thing, and I could never do it because I, I, I don't want to be destructive. And because of all the suffering animals and all the, the, the great loss of, uh, of life. But it is still true that if, and you've probably seen them because you live in uh, right next to hell, uh, Kirk, uh, there in, in, in the People's Republic of, uh, of California, you have seen your share of forest fires. And if you're looking yeah. at a forest fire, I get to see a lot of it when I lived in the Santa Barbara area because those hills were always ablaze. And, and I want to tell you, it is stunningly beautiful. I, I mean, I understand that it's destructive. I, uh, I feel very sorry for the loss of property and life and for the animals who are hurt for the whole process of people lose their home. But it doesn't change the fact that 
the that swirling orange glow of a fire is a beautiful thing. You know, close-up and pictures so, of the sun are the same way. I mean, you look yes. at it and you go, wow. Yes, wow. And so it's warm and it's beautiful when approached correctly. Yeah. When I go camping, the highlight of the trip is to, uh, at night, light a campfire, and everybody sits around the campfire and tells stories and has just a, a swell old time. You feel the warmth of it. You can smell it. It's a great smell. And you can feel it. It's a wonderful feel on your, sensation on your skin. Uh, it provides light, light for the area. That snapping, popping noise. Is, it's, so it's, such, it's a treat for your senses. And you can cook your meal uh, on it. Mm-hmm. You can read by it, warmed by it, um, attract others to it. It's a marvelous uh, thing. And so God, who is light, presents himself as, well, in the natural world, that was, that was the source of light, fire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fire does a lot of other things. Um, we can use fire to remove the pathogens from water. Water goes from deadly to beneficial. We can use fire to cook food, which would otherwise be either unpalatable or unsafe. And speaking of safety, fires are used to protect a campsite and to extend our journey into night, giving families the opportunity to commune together longer. Also, the heat and smoke of a fire rise up to the heavens, symbolic of the Mikray's purpose. And this is important. (laughs) In addition with the transformation of our nature from physical to spiritual. During the Moed, a fire converts organic material into energy, especially light. That's really good. A fire burns and transforms organic material into light. Is that not the purpose of God? It is. This uh, realization and insight may be the principal reason that Yao asked Moshe to scribe Ishe, the feminine depiction of fire, into his invitation. With these metaphors in mind, concepts as familiar to us today as they were 4,000 years ago, it's easy to see why Yahweh would ask us to approach him by way of the purifying warmth, the protection, the enlightenment, and the transformative nature of the set-apart spirit's fiery light. The projection of both paternal and maternal characteristics is also as should be expected. God's focus is on conceiving and raising a family, to which end a father and a mother are needed. It also helps to clarify that Yahweh's bereft covenant is like our families, only better. Having a father and mother is something we can relate to while anticipating the expected improvements. Mine were not so good. So it's particularly wonderful to be able to enjoy the company of Yahweh and the set-apart spirit. 
as a seven-dimensional being, Yahweh cannot enter the three-dimensional realm he has created for us without using symbols, <laughs> probes, projections, messengers, implements, and, of course, his words. Fire is symbolic of uh, light, the principal metaphor for Yah's nature. His nephesh serves as a probe or projection of his nature. His spirit and the malak serve as messengers and as implements. Mm-hmm. Now, if we were to look at other translations, the uh, English Standard Interlinear reads, which would be the, intersta- the English Standard version, uh, they just have it a little bit stiffer in an, inter- in an interlinear. It says, uh, mm-hmm. it shall be for you a time of holy convocation, and you should afflict yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. Now, once again, if it's a food offering, why is God saying, I'm hungry, but too bad for you guys. Starve. The King James presents, and you shall afflict your souls. I'd like to see that trick sometime. Uh, and offer an offering. Offer and offering. There isn't a single offering, but they made it too. Offer and offering made by fire. Now, that would be an offering made by fire. What can you make by fire? A mess. Well, you could, uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, you could cook something, I suppose. Uh, well, I guess oh, it's an offering made by fire. Yeah. But the food isn't made by fire. It's just kind so of the food's not made by fire. By the fire. Actually made. What can you that is actually made by fire? Because fire will refine something that's already made and just right. break it uh, yeah. down. But yeah, what is actually good. made by fire? I don't know, the fire out of the back end of a rocket will shoot the rocket up into the air. But the rocket's not made by fire. No. That's, I don't no, even no. know if, what is made I don't think by fire. I don't think there is. I've never considered it, really. Yeah, oh, my gosh. What do you make out of fire? I don't know. Uh, well, knowing that afflict was wrong, the New American Standard Bible substituted humble, but otherwise change ye to you. The New, Interva- New International Version replaced soul, nephesh, with yourselves, uh, atem. But atem's not there. And then afflict uh, was, uh, became deny, as did the nilt, which is, of course, my personal favorite. Um, I, um, I always think the nilt is, well, I enjoy a good laugh. So I, um, I, I've, I have had lots of fun with their paraphrase. The, the nilt paraphrase concludes with, and present special gifts to the Lord. Special gifts. Now, can you tell me how you get from uh, Isha to special gifts? I mean, I don't know. What even happened with the fire? There's no fire. There's no female. There's no fire. Oh, there's no, yeah. Well, either, just, so. just write your own Bible. Uh, just go ahead. You know, I mean, I've always wondered what the religious see. Why would they devote themselves to a God who is such a nincompoop, he can't communicate, and you have to change everything he said to fit your religion? It doesn't make any sense to me. 
Now, if not for my affection for monkeys, and I think monkeys are reasonably cute, I would say monkey see, monkey do. But monkeys, while sometimes menacing, are never deliberately evil. Changing the words Yahweh used to convey his invitation to be reconciled to terminology leading the unwary in the opposite direction personifies evil. No, well, I do not claim to be inerrant. If I were inerrant, I wouldn't have spent the last year uh, working with our team rewriting every uh, every volume. Uh, so I'm absolutely capable of making mistakes. My mistakes are never by intent. And when I find one, I want to be the first to correct. In this case, I can be certain and say for certain that the JPS, ESI, NASB, NIV, and NLT are wrong. But they're not alone. Every popular English Bible made many of the same mistakes. And this is no small point. Yahweh will go on to say that he will destroy the souls of those who failed to answer his summons to appear before the Spirit on this day. And while that may sound harsh, it's actually for the benefit of his children. No one should have to endure an eternity of religious shenanigans. Now, moving on in our quest for knowledge. When we search the, the word, we discover that Ishe's first use is in Shemot, Exodus 29.18. So, turning to uh, Shemot 29.18, what we find is we find Qatar written to convey the burning of an Al male sacrificial lamb, which Olah rises up to Yahweh. While Olah simply means to rise, it is commonly rendered a burnt offering. The fact that it was deployed 286 times in this context to convey the idea of an uplifting offering is one of the reasons that I'm reluctant to render Ishe the same way. Uh, Beyond this, the technical issues of Ishe either means feminine fire or woman, and has nothing to do with an offering. God has a word to describe the nature of an offering which rises, and that word is Ola, not Ishe. To fully appreciate the meaning of Ishe in Shemot 29.18, let's consider its use in the context of the entire statement, where God said, burn, Qatar, rendering the smoke, the entire coal lamb, A-L, on or with, beside, F, the altar. It, it's actually hue here, masculine, rises up, Ola. Ola is the, is from uh, Allah, and Allah is uh, with a Ain, not with an LF. It's not the name of the Islamic God. Um, it is the uh, it's uh, the verb that just means to rise, and it's as I said, it's written with an ain, yeah, not a uh, lf, uh, toward Yahweh. So burn the entire lamb on the altar. It rises up toward La Yahweh, as this is riach, is the spirit of soothing acceptance. 
The maternal manifestation of the fiery light, Isha, Isha, serves as a counselor, conciliating and reconciling. Nyoka brings acceptance, winning us over, resolving and settling outside issues between us to approach Yahweh. So in the context of the sacrificial lamb of a conciliating and reconciling counselor of rising up and of soothing uh, acceptance, the maternal manifestation of the fiery light is perfectly appropriate. It defines the role of the set-apart spirit and the role that the Ruach Kodesh plays in resolving the issues which separate us from our Heavenly Father. Now, I suspect that is why the root of Ruach in that statement is Ruach, spirit. Further, um, this connection, uh, Nyok, is related to Nuach, meaning to settle down as a beneficiary of amnesty. And Nyok speaks of a conciliatory counselor who makes us compliant with God. In other words, it's very similar to Malacca, which we're going to see in uh, God's next statement regarding Kippurim, uh, because Malacca is the feminine variation of counselor or messenger, Malak. The only way for us to rise up and to be included in Yahweh's family is through the spiritual transformation facilitated by our spiritual mother, which is explained by fire, consuming organic material, and transforming it into light energy. So this is the meaning behind the second of seven instructions. God wrote in stone, consider your, and it's heavenly father, and its spiritual mother, significant and worthy, so that your days will be prolonged in the land. Yahweh, your God, gives you as a gift. Excuse my cough, but one of the things that is a plus, so I apologize for, for uh, coughing, but it is actually a very good thing, and I cannot complain about it. Um, this time of year, we are very fortunate when the Sahara uh, sand blows across the Atlantic and on to toward the east coast of the United States. And it is that Sahara sand that kind of clings to the back of my throat and occasionally, and when I talk this much, uh, it sort of irritates the throat. But what happens when we have the Sahara sand? No hurt. Beach. Because yeah. oh, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's, I guess it is, but it's uh, the dry air precludes the uh, the hurricane. So it's a you I cannot guess. complain. No. By the way, speaking of hurricanes, uh, there is a hurricane aptly named Larry. For those who go back a long time in this program, uh, it is a menacing a monster. Big wind, huh? Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, a, a blowhard. Uh, and uh, Larry is probably going to be a class four. Uh, could be a cat. Five, uh, but it's a fish storm. In other words, it's just going to blow like hell, but out in the middle of the Atlantic where uh, the only things that will bother are those that are attracted to such blowhards. But uh, uh, Larry is the first real serious storm. Well, I guess 
It was interesting that Ida, um, the one that hit New Orleans, it was it came by here as a lamb. <clears throat> it, it wasn't even a, a strong tropical depression, and it was supposed to meander over Cuba and then uh, whimper out as it approached uh, the Florida coast and up uh, through New Orleans. And in just the last few hours before it uh, it went dead a bullseye for New Orleans, uh, it grew from what was supposed to be a nothing to a Cat 4. So um, the forecasters had a tough time with um, – with it, as they've had really with every storm uh, thus far, although I really hope they're right with uh, Larry and that he just um, blows himself out in the middle of nowhere. So with all of this considered, I think that I'm on solid ground with the following translation of Cara Leviticus. And I hate to say Leviticus, but Kara called out 2327. And Yahweh declared the word to Moshe, saying, Exclusively during the tenth of the seventh month is the day of reconciliations. This exists as a set apart and special invitation to be called out and meet for you all to approach. Then your soul should respond and appear before the feminine manifestation of the fiery light. To approach Yahweh. Sounds like a good plan to me. When, when, yeah, not to, I'm not going to interrupt other than to say that mm-hmm. I looked up everything you did in that section, and you, you can't come to a different conclusion to not come to the conclusion you did, maybe not written quite as eloquently, certainly in the uh, commentary, but um, you just can't go where they went. I don't, I don't know how you sell that program to anyone who's thinking, and obviously I didn't think for about 20 years. So shame on me. You know, I just didn't put it all together. But uh, in today's yeah, day really with all this. Uh, but I didn't, see, I didn't know what it is. Yeah. yeah. This is God oh, so inviting I, us to meet with him. Yeah. So this is not yeah. only is God inviting us to meet with him, on this particular day, God is saying, let's reconcile the relationship. Do you know God has more to say about Kippurim than anything else? It is his favorite topic. This is his favorite day of the year. Favorite day, I would say. Yes, I and think the so. fulfillment of Yom Kippurim in year 6,000 Yah is God's Thrilling. favorite moment in all of eternity. I can this see is that. A really, really big deal. And so it's important to get these words right. And just again. Wa, the first word, can be and, it can be then, it can be when, it can be therefore, it can be in addition, so, or you can just ignore it, your, your choice. Then, is how I chose it, but you can choose any one of those. So, Yahweh, mm-hmm. then Yahweh, when Yahweh, in addition Yahweh. And then yod wah is Yahweh. It is only Yahweh. Yeah. That's all it means. That's how it's pronounced. There is a 0% possibility that the Yod, the Y, the He, the Ah sound, or the mm-hmm. Wa, the O sound, is pronounced any differently than Yahweh. None. I would give you 
uh, six months of looking up every single word in the Hebrew lexicon and every word that you know and we can say with certainty, that's how it's pronounced, like Torah, like Haya, like Eloah, like Shalom, yeah. affirms that it is Yahweh. It most certainly, I will guarantee you, there's two Hebrew words for uh, Lord, Adon and Baal. Baal and, uh, and Adon. You can't pronounce either one with a yod heh wah heh. So it most certainly in the Lord. It says Yahweh. Then Yahweh, the word, next word is Tabar. Tabar, you can write his word. That's the Hebrew word for word is Tabar. Tabar uh, means to speak. It's to declare to affirm, to convey a message. I don't think there's anybody that disputes what Debar means. Uh, no. no. So then Yahweh declared the word. Now you could just write it as, so then uh, Yahweh spoke. But if you've got a word that means word, and you're studying the word of Yahweh as he spoke the word to Moshe, it seems to me that you're depriving everyone of insights if you don't mention the fact that the bar means word. So that's the reason why I translated, then Yahweh declared the word. Now, it's to Moshe. El is both a preposition for two. It's also the singular form of uh, Eloah and Elohim, and it means God Almighty. It's an interesting uh, preposition and title, and that uh, L is written with an LF and a Lamed. So it shows the title that God chose to describe his official role, which we call God. Yes. Uh, has a, a ram's head, which is the, the protective ram that leads the flock. And it shows Yahweh as one of his flock, with his flock. And it also shows him as the shepherd, because the Lamed is a shepherd's staff. So it's really interesting that two letters that comprise uh, uh, L, because it is both the protective ram and the shepherd combined into one. It's the shepherd living with the sheep and the shepherd being one with the sheep, and the shepherd guiding and tending to the sheep. You know what's interesting about shepherd in Hebrew? Shepherd, we use shepherd in, uh, uh, in English. It is a noun, right? Uh-huh. Shepherd's a noun. Do you know there's no yes, noun sir. form of shepherd in Hebrew? It's all verb, huh? One, one of Yahweh's favorite words, and it is only a verb. So shepherding is always actionable. To shepherd is to lead, to guide, to nurture, to feed, to protect, to care for. Wow. <laughs> it's always a verb. So it's an interesting, interesting thing, you know. It, uh, yeah. Yeah. It did I was, it was uh, doing a few translations over this past week. I said, huh. <laughs> there is no noun form of, uh, of shepherd in Hebrew, just uh, the actionable form. So Moshe, to Moshe, El Moshe. The only question on Moshe is, 
it is actually written as a mem shen hei. And uh, I got in the habit, I think, of writing it as mem uh, sen uh, hei, uh, which is M-O-S-E-H. It's really M-O-S-H-E-H, Moshe. Uh, now, what's also interesting is with the eh ending, um, Moshe's name, like Torah, uh, and like Yahweh's name, is actually feminine. Is actually yeah. feminine. You, you, to display your feminine characteristics, you know, to be nurturing and supportive, which is what a shepherd does. Protective. I mean, yeah, like protective. Mama bird. Yeah, um, uh, Yahweh has a feminine name. So does uh, Moshe. It's just the. It. Um, I think it's important because it conveys. Uh, a lot about Yahweh's nature. Uh, and then the Hebrew word to say is Amar. Uh, La Amar would be to say. So then Yahweh declared the word to Moshe, saying to say. Ak is a, a word that, that means uh, only, uh, exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, without uh, without yeah, exception. Sort of yeah, without exception. So exclusive mm-hmm. That's is good. the only time I want you to do it, sure. or without exception, uh, do this. It's what ak means. Uh, uh, ba can mean in, with, or during. The tenth is ha asor. Um, there's no one who disputes. I, there's not a single word for, for argument. Yeah, there's no so debate far. there. No. Uh, of the seventh is ha, la, ha, uh, shabai. Um, can't get seven right shaba, by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shaba <laughs> would be just seven. Uh, shabai would be seventh. Uh, in Hebrew, la kodesh, which means to renew, is the Hebrew yes. word for month. It speaks of when the uh, reflected light of the sun on the moon's surface. Uh, I don't know how that's possible, by the way, if the moon is flat, but uh, I can explain that to the flat earther. Um, But nonetheless, it's when the light of the moon uh, begins to renew. God's all about renewing with light. So the first day of the month is Kodesh. That's why we're trying to determine, is it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for Teruah, and I've chosen Wednesday, is a zero possibility that Teruah is Monday. And uh, Tuesday, it's, it's, it's uh, less than 1% of renewed light on the moon's surface. And I just view when it's less than 1%, that's just cutting it too thin. God likes light. So uh, I, I always like a little bit more light on the moon's surface for, you know, my taste. Uh, so seventh month uh, is the day, ha zeth yom. Once again, the only thing that you could change in that, you could say, is the time. The, although there is, et is the Hebrew word for time. There is a word in Hebrew for time. But the day is very often used as, uh, as the concept of the time. But this is... Much better to translate it day when you can, and this is absolutely ha-ze-yom, the day. Kapurem is plural, so therefore you can say of atonements or of reconciliations, of renewals. 
Um, it uh, is used only in the plural, as I've mentioned, but the term that is um, exceedingly similar to it and is always brought out in concert with Kaporam is Kaporath, based upon the same um, root. And Kaporath is the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. So it is a time of reconciliation. The fact that it's plural tells us that God is not only reconciling his relationship with his people, but his people are reconciling their relationship with one another. Israel and Yahuwah collectively reconciled and then both reconciled unto Yahweh. It is a day of reconciliation. If we are really crappy at what we do on Teruah, in our, our, um, I've been 20 years now of Teruah, and if we do a really lousy job, I guess it could be the day of, uh, of Yom Kippur. I guess there's possible that one person would show up. But that is that is not our intent, and God is not going no. to all of this fuss for one person. No. And it says that uh, that this exists. This is you. You could translate it he, but it is uh, in uh, in Hebrew. It could be it exists. This exists, or he exists. You uh, exists as uh, is from Haya the basis of Yahweh's mm-hmm. name, was, is, and will be. Kodesh is uh, among the most important words in the Hebrew lexicon. If you don't understand Kodesh, you do not know God. Everything that's important to God is set apart to him. Everything that's important for us is set apart from human corruption. You can be set apart from man, and you can be set apart unto God. Both are important. The most important use of Kodesh happens to be the Ruach Kodesh, or the Set of mm-hmm. Spirit. These Mikre, they're all Kodesh. This one in particular, God just saying, it is Kodesh, set apart. So what does set apart mean when Yahweh is ascribing it to this day? It means that this day is not common. So what is uncommon? Being anti-religion would be uncommon. Would be uncommon. Anti-patriotic would be uncommon. To be anti-conspiratorial would be uncommon. Man commonly, the overwhelming preponderance of people, probably in the 95%, are into their religion. Whether their religion is is socialist secular humanism or liberalism and progressive, uh, I can't say thought, but... Well, they're perspective. Yeah, progressive musings. Or it is um, Christianity or Islam or Judaism or, well, we could be real nincompoops and have uh, Mormonism or uh, Scientology. Uh, The Hmm. fact is that the overwhelming preponderance of people are either overtly political, overtly religious, or both. And so if you want something that's uncommon, eh, no politics, no religion. If you want something that is uncommon, no uh, integration of societal norms. So this has got to be a unique day, a day that 
is unlike other days. It's got to be something that is special so that it is uncommon among men. It cannot be religious, therefore, because there's nothing more common. And by it being a Kodesh set apart, Mikra, Mikra is uh, the combination of, of uh, me, and which is M, uh, M Yod, uh, and Kara. So it means to ponder the implications of Kara. And call to meet. Yeah. To be invited, to be welcomed, to be called out. Well, called out is very similar to being set apart, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course it, it, is. uh, yeah. it means to be welcomed, to greet, to read and recite, which tells you a lot about what we should be doing on this day. Yes. To proclaim, to announce. So this exists as a set apart and special invitation to be called out and meet, Mikra. Now, while these English Bible translations were all over the board with these words, Kirk, I would lay my soul on the line and say, we haven't come across a word so far that the meaning would be in dispute. No, I would agree with that. Yeah, and the end of this sentence is, for you all to approach. Atem is you plural, y'all, and la is a preposition whose principal meaning means to approach and draw near. Then your soul, wa, eth, nefesh, atem, and that's all that nefesh means, soul. Uh, All animals have soul. A soul is the essence of what we're talking about here. Yeah. A soul provides an animal yeah. yes, with yeah. the ability to observe and respond. What is the entire mm-hmm. intent of the Torah? <laughs> to observe and to respond. Respond. That's what it is. So God gave us you a nephesh whose entire purpose is to observe and respond. Right. So maybe if he's asking your nephesh, to engage here, he would like you to observe and respond. Uh, just saying. Just, just, yeah. just, just yeah. a suggestion here that your ability to observe and respond should respond. <laughs> there you go. I like yeah. it when there God confirms that uh, we understand the words that he's used. Ana. Ana means to respond, uh-huh. to reply, or to answer. Mm-hmm. When you're given an invitation and it's to an important event and somebody bothers to send you an engraved invitation to a really important R-F-E-P. event. And, and if the, yeah. and if the, if the um, person, individual, offering this invitation happens to be the creator of the universe, the author of life, I, maybe I, I'm going to limb here, but... I think it's probably in your best interest to respond and answer that invitation. Uh, Bottom line, your soul should respond. Now, karab means to appear. Karab appears 300 times, and of those 300 times, apart from this context, it is translated appear, come before, draw near. It's not that they don't know what the word means. It's that they don't want to convey its meaning in this context. And then Isha, as I've, I've admitted, I said, there's, there's two ways to render it, your, your choice. Or you can say, since the, the two choices are written identically, 
female and feminine manifestation of fire. Since they're written identically, why not simply blend the two together? You've got a maternal manifestation of God's fiery light to approach Yahweh. La? Yahweh. I'm going because we've beaten this thing to, to, uh, to death. But there's a reason. These words are essential. There is nothing more important in all of the universe than for us to express to Ruah by correctly and vociferously and accurately and passionately conveying God's intent with these words relative to the Day of Reconciliations. Our entire life should be devoted to this. There is nothing more important. You know, a lot of people like to call themselves, oh, I'm covenant, and then of course they go and uh, promote some conspiracy theory. But the goal isn't to become a um, covenant. Yeah, it's if you want to forego religion and politics and, um, and act upon the terms and conditions that Yahweh has provided, becoming part of the covenant family is a really good thing. And the benefits of the covenant are provided through the Moed Mikre. So these things are uh, integrated together. But being born into Yahweh's family, being perfected by him, immortalized by him, uh, adopted by uh, Yahweh and the set-apart spirit, uh, enriched, empowered, enlightened, all of those things happen so that we can grow up and so that we can convey God's message so that the family expands on the Day of Reconciliation so we can all camp out together and have a great time for all eternity. Uh, I have been a parent, and I have been a grandparent. And I can say that this might sound uh, inappropriate to all your mothers out there, but uh, I can say that when I first saw my uh, my sons, oh, what a miracle of birth, what a wonderful, uh, you know, just spectacular time. And, and it's amazing that you can love something that much. But the reality is, if we were all being honest about this, uh, for the first couple of years, uh, babies cry and they poop. And they eat at the most inconvenient times. And they can't talk. They can't choose to be with you. Uh, they are net consumers of energy and time. That's just, but that is the reality, is. okay? Uh, mothers have to have a deep passion for their children so that, you know, they don't um, discourage them. So when a child then becomes and they can walk, and they can choose to come to you. When they are reach one to two, and they can begin to, to convey words, and they can express themselves to you, it's magical. It's extraordinary how these uh, leaky and, and, uh, and loud contraptions we call um, babies are transformed into th these objects of enormous pleasure and, and joy when they can choose to walk to you and be with you 
and when they can speak to you. Oh, with my granddaughter, the vivid memories of playing uh, dolls and and kitchen and uh, drawing and going out in the fall and kicking the leaves and uh, it's just everything in life is joyous. Why did I share that story? Why would you think Yahweh was any different? Do you think yeah. that Yahweh wants to spend his eternity with uh, with the equivalent babies? of a poopy baby? No. I mean, they can't talk. They can't choose to be with you. That is totally and completely dependent. Do you think that's Yahweh's idea of, boy, wouldn't that be fun for all eternity? Or do you think Yahweh would like us to grow up such that we can choose to walk with him, explore with him, converse with him, contribute something to the relationship. Yeah. That's why I invented the hay. Yeah. The letter hay. Exactly. That is why we go from the nun, which is the sperm and the tiny seed that takes root, and we grow into the hay, the uh, people standing up and reaching up to God, walking uh, with him. So that is what God is trying to convey through these words that he is communicating to us. And there are no words more important than those that describe his mikre. And the single most important mikre, from God's point of view, is kumpurum. Now, you might say that's really unfair because, um, you know, chag matzah is where God provides us uh, with perfection following Pesach Passover, where we're given a, a length of days. And Bukhotam sounds swell, where you're adopted into God's family. And who couldn't love Shabuah, where uh, the father gets to and mother get to offer wonderful gifts of enrichment and enlightenment and empowerment to their children. And from a God's point of view, you would think that, that working together on Teruah to share this message would be a, would be the ultimate thrill, or that the final conclusion, camping out with God, would be his favorite. But it isn't. No, this this no, this is uh, all this that bad stuff. All those centuries, all those thousands of years, and all culminates in this. All culminates this is, in this. Yeah, this is his favorite day. So. We Absolutely. ought to, to take the time to understand what he had to say. And if you've got a different interpretation of these words, have at it. So long as you're consistent, so long as you're thoughtful, have at it. Now, continuing on to Yahweh's next statement regarding the Day of Reconciliations, the source of life says something that I have concluded uh, affirms our definition of Isha. It affirms what it means, uh, why this day is so essential to us. And it affirms the definition of, of Kapurim as a time of reconciliations. Uh, I think all of it is included in this next statement. It reads, so, wa, therefore, to not perform. Lo Asha. Do not expend the effort to do engaging in any coal of the service of the spiritual messenger, Malaka, 
of the duties of the heavenly representative, the spiritual counselor, the maternal envoy. Malaka is the feminine of Malak. Malak means spiritual messenger. <laughs> During this life-sustaining and essential day. Itzim ha-yum ha a stem means substantive, exacting, invigorating, even corporeal. Boy, and corporeal is really important here. A stem. Why would corporeal be uh, important? Oh, person. What day is Yahweh what returning? Yeah, he's in, pers- in person. Yeah, so much for Mamadis. God is in, uh, G-D, is in corporeal. Well, that's news yeah, to God, because on this day, he says it is an essential, life-sustaining, incorporeal day. Indeed, the day of reconciliations, which is from Kafar, is to make amends, to pardon and forgive, reconciling the relationship, just in case... You weren't doing your homework and didn't know that Kippurim was from Kafar. Yahweh just says, it is the day of Kafar. Before, uh, for you all, before the appearance and the presence of Yahweh, your God. So, this is the day to reconcile the relationship, to make amends, to pardon, forgive, and reconciling the relationship for you all, before the appearance of Yahweh your God. Because Yahweh your God is going to appear on this day. So, really important stuff. And everything we just said, we got got affirmed. So, on this day, we are invited to enter into the presence of the maternal manifestation of God's fiery light so that we can approach Yahweh. The implication is, therefore, that the malaka, the spiritual counselor, will take it from there, doing all that is required. As a result, there is no reason to replicate her efforts. Even what could you do? Give me a break. Yeah, what are you going to do? You, yeah, you, you do? show up, you read, you recite, you learn, you say thank you for letting me Inviting me. Yes, the Sapphire yeah. Spirit is the feminine manifestation of Yah in our world. She provides enlightenment. She provides enrichment. She provides uh, uh, courage. She provides perfection. She provides um, everything, understanding that we could possibly want. Matter of fact, is I was concluding the 10-chapter review of Yashaya as he presents um, uh, the fact that there is a fourth Zeroah. And that fourth Zeroah happens to be um, directly related to the Choder and uh, Nakar. Um, the reason that there is a Goyim, Nakar, Choder, Zeroah is that God's people have grieved the set-apart spirit. There wasn't a single Yehudim who would serve as a prophet for 2,400 years. 
and without one to serve as a prophet, there was none to serve as a messenger either. And so God had to stoop to a goyim, a goy, not goyim, singular, a goy, to awaken his people. Because there wasn't a single Jew willing to answer his call. So they, uh, they said specifically they have grieved the set-apart spirit. That's a very bad thing to do because she is tasked with the responsibility of enveloping us in her light so that we appear perfect in Yahweh's presence. She is the means to Kaporam. Imbued with her energy, we're not only enlightened and empowered, we also become immortal. With her fiery light, we are transformed from material to spiritual. That is what makes this day stem, life-sustaining and essential. Further, as God himself paid the ransom to make amends, the notion of offering God a handful of pocket change, priceless sacrifice, is demeaning and offensive. Say that again. Should we not have done our homework and explored the actionable root of Kaporam, as I've shared here, God prov- provides the answer, comes to the rescue, serving uh, the verb kafar up for our consideration. It describes what is occurring on Yom Kaporam. God is making amends by pardoning and forgiving us reconciling the relationship by paying a ransom to release us, to liberate us from the control of others and from any resulting guilt. On this day, all offenses are annulled and removed. We are purged of our every mistake when God's light covers over the previous darkness, providing atonement. Thank you. Now, this thought helps underscore the fact that the religious notion that Jews are to afflict their souls on Yom Kippurim is not only wrong, it's the inverse of Yahweh's message and plan. The fact is that Yahweh allowed his soul to be afflicted on Pesach and on Matzah so that our souls would not be treated this way. He did it for the express purpose of reconciling his people unto himself. And if I may, considering what Yahweh is offering through Kafar, the JPS notion that we should deny ourselves, well, there's a word for it. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Now, there are two subtle insights here we should not miss. Esem, um, E-T-S, E-M, STEM, translated this life-sustaining and essential, various uh, substantive, exacting, and invigorating, even corporeal day, and Kara 2328, conveys the idea that it will be upon Yom Kippurim that the essential essence of Yahweh will be seen with the corporeal nature of doubt. That is to say, that the day of reconciliations represents the mikra upon which Yahweh will return. 
and the fact that he is coming to restore his relationship with Yisrael and Yahudim makes this day among the most essential in human history, perhaps the most essential. Etsem underscores the role of our set-apart spirit because it means empowering and invigorating, even life-sustaining. It is why there have been two references to her and Yahweh's proclamation. Estem is also an interesting word in that it's, it's your skeleton. It's your backbone. Yeah, it's the, it's the strength of your legs to support your weight. It's the ability of your arm to function. It, it is what enables us to hold a, a book to write what we're conveying. It is what gives us the ability to walk with God, but most importantly, it is what gives us that backbone, character, standing upright, not bowed over and bent over. We're not slugs. We're not snakes. We are the only animal that was designed to be upright, and it is our stem, our skeleton, that enables that. We were specifically designed to be exactly as God is conveying on this day with the stem. Now, along these lines, perhaps as confirmation, we are told that all of this would occur la pene, before the appearance and in the presence of Yahweh. Now, these insights strongly suggest that we should mark our calendars. Well, that's Mark again, so I guess I can't chastise the um, JPS for putting Mark, but that's not a translation. I can still translate them. That we should Luke our calendars in recognition that Yahweh is returning. I'm trying to concentrate here. Yeah, don't. Don't. I'm sorry. I'm Matthew. Uh, He's returning with his son. Uh, John, no. Um, Dick, no. Harry, uh, no. Dode, Dode, Dode. On Yom Kippur. Yes, Dode, Dode. Messiah. The, uh, the shepherd. The Messiah. The yeah, shepherd king. Yeah, the Messiah. The king. Favorite son. Yes. And as we learned previously when we were, uh, I think, covering Teruah, um, the Dode who is returning is going to be the Dode who lived 3,000 years ago. Yeah, was going to use his DNA to literally create a, uh, a dough that's going to look, sound, act, everything like the original one, except he's dialed up just a smidge because he's going to be as brilliant that's as the, as the sun. Um, so, wow, what a show. Yeah, it's his own dough that is returning on Yom Kippur in year 6,000. Yeah, October 2nd is when it begins, 2033, at sunset in Jerusalem which I think is 6.22 p.m. Uh, Jerusalem time. So, yeah, I'm extrapolating from these clues, but on very good authority. Because there's only one way to God, a straight path through seven invitations to be called out and meet, Yahweh warned, this is the next statement, Kara called out Leviticus 23.29. Truthfully, indeed, surely, and actually emphasizing this point, key, any, whole, every, soul, ha-nefesh, individual consciousness, the aspect of a person capable 
of being observant and responsive, which by association, Asher, does not answer and respond. Lo'ana does not reply by making a declaration after engaging in thought, vocally communicating, during this life-sustaining and essential Islam corporeal day, that soul, Nefesh, will be cut off and either eliminated or separated. Karath. She, because Nefesh, soul, is feminine, will be severed, creating a ceasing to exist or banished, excluded and destroyed, or exiled per the agreement from being with the family. So truthfully, any soul which by association does not answer and respond during this life-sustaining and essential day, that soul will be cut off and either eliminated or separated from being with the family. So I would say it's probably important to get this one right. Yes, sir. And you don't have a lot of them left, by the way, if um, you're listening to this message in 2021 or if you're listening to it in 2022 or 2023. You've only got until Yom Kippur and 2033, which is year 6,000. Yeah. And there's no reason to hold out, first of all. Um, 90% of the world's population, maybe more, is going to die between now and then, man killing man. And two-thirds of, uh, of the Jewish population is going to die. They're going to fare better than the world at large, but still uh, the majority, 66%, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are, are going to, uh, to not be here on uh, Kippurim in, um, in 2033. So what is he asked right now that's so hard? I mean, what what is he asked that would delay that decision? If you really understood the stuff, I mean, so if you could be enriched by God right now, protected by God right now, enlightened by God right now, celebrating a a family relationship with God right now, why would you want to postpone that? What part of that isn't appealing? God's liberating, he's enriching, he's empowering, he lifts you up, he's enlightening, he's fun to be around. And so what part of that is not appealing? You're never going to die. You get to live in heaven and explore the universe. You get to be transformed out of these yucky bodies into something really spectacular. You get to commune with the creator of the universe. Why would you want to postpone that? So you can be religious? So you can be political? So you can be patriotic? I've seen the 4th of July fireworks. They're, They're just not that good. Why would you do it? That's your question. I, I don't know the answer to that. There is no advantage. Now, key, which was the first word here, is worthy of our attention. Um, it's um, worth emphasizing. Do not expect there to be an exemption 
to the rule that Yahweh is <coughs> stating. Uh, key means truthfully, indeed, surely, actually, emphasizing this point. It does not mean perhaps, maybe, I am capricious and willy-nilly. It means for fact. All means all. That's all all means. And coal means all. Any soul. Nefesh. That is the part of you that matters. Our bodies, every human that has come this way, say, well, even the bodies of, the, of those two, Enoch and Elijah, uh, they're uh, long since uh, decayed and, and gone. The souls, though, were, were pulled out of them in, in a unique way. But nonetheless, uh, your soul, your body is worthless. Your soul matters. So truthfully, any soul, which by association, Asher, <coughs> does not answer and respond, lo ana, again, during this life-sustaining and essential corporeal day, that soul will be cut off and either eliminated or separated from the family. Um, one of those is not good. The other one of those is really bad. Being eliminated uh, from the family is not good. That means that you're not going to live forever. It means you're not going to be invited into heaven. It means you're, you're never going to have a relationship with Yahweh. Uh, you're not part of the covenant. Uh, that's not good, but it's not a penalty. Being separated, which is what karath means, that's really bad. Because there's only one place of separation from Yahweh. Sheol, the place of separation. And you don't want to spend your eternity, you don't want your soul to spend its eternity there, which is where every rabbi is going to be. So if you really like rabbis, uh, <clears throat> yeah, maybe you'll, you'll uh, like the, uh, the place. Huh? It's for me? No, thank you. I don't think so. Yeah, if there if there were actually bodies there as opposed to souls, there'd be a lot of religious dress up. I would assume too. <laughs> well, we exist as mortal men and women, more <clears throat> liberal and confused. If your preference is for additional non-binary genders, you know, you ask a liberal uh, how many genders are there, and rather than saying <clears throat> men and women. Uh, the liberal will, uh, will will say, well, we have non-binary choices now. And I would say that according to the liberal, there are three genders, uh, male, female, and confused. Uh, our bodies and souls are integrated such that they are codependent. That's where we are now. If one ceases to exist, bleeds out, for example, is suffocated, yeah, the other is a goner. However, when the time comes for our physical nature to submit to our designated mortality, all that will be left is our nephesh, consciousness. In this life, we tend not to think much of our soul. But in the hereafter, we won't think much of our bodies. No. A nephesh soul, which is karath, cut off from the family of souls, either ceases to exist or is eternally separated. And so karath provides for both outcomes 
elimination or uh, or banish. Um, one of the things I shared with you at the beginning of this program, Kirk, and we'll get into it in future uh-huh. programs, but um, the uh, the Nacker Choder Fourth Zoroa, I call it the little Z uh, role. Uh, Yahweh is. I don't know if the right word is requiring. Yahweh has stated unequivocally that um, one of his missions is recompense. And with recompense means uh, that um, this individual has a, a sense of morality and of ethics and of, uh, is judgmental to the, the, the scope of if you're someone like Paul and lied to people about God, then you have to pay a price. It is not sufficient that your soul is simply whisked off to, uh, to shield. There must be a penalty beyond that. If you were part of the Roman Catholic Church as they replaced Dode with Jesus and Jews with Gentiles in the church, there must be a penalty. If you were an part of the Inquisition, where your job was to torture Jews, then there must be a penalty that fits that crime. And that those who were tortured and cried out for a sense of fairness for that person that was mercilessly torturing them, innocent people, that that guilty party suffer. Oh, we see so many people in, in like in Islam, they, uh, they take little girls and, and gang rape them. Uh, and those people... For there to be a sense of justice and fairness, they must pay a price. And there must be somebody that says, all right, here's the consequence of what you did. Otherwise, there is no justice. There is no fairness. There's no sense of closure. And one of the things we read constantly in, uh, in Yashaya is that's one of the tasks of uh, this witness, who is the, uh, the knacker, is recompense. Uh, God's really serious about it. So if you think that bygones are bygones and, and uh, you know, the, the Sheol is, uh, well, it's like, how bad can it be? There are no physical bodies there. There's no fires. And uh, that you won't be held accountable. Thank you, Ken. I have begged, pleaded with people mm-hmm. not to commingle numbskull conspiracy theories, which, as I say now, is the world's fastest-growing religion. It's, it's a religion dumber than Islam or Mormonism or Scientology. It is a religion for the um, clinically insane. Uh, but it's the fastest-growing religion in the world. Probably 40% of the world's population is conspiratorial. And I have said... Really? You can do anything with my translations and terminology and transliterations so long as you do not integrate them with any religious or political 
um, agenda, nor do you use them to commit an act of violence, and do not, under any situation or any circumstances, combine your conspiracy theory with the terminology and translations that you find in these books. And so, based upon what Yashaya has revealed, between 55 and 65, uh, and I've done everything I can to encourage people not to do this, I'm going to give you a fair warning. There will be a consequence, and you're not going to like it. So, you can be belligerent all you want to be, and be big and bad and uh, threatening and condemn me as so many uh, do when I expose and condemn conspiracy and say I have nothing to do with it, Yahweh has nothing to do with it, stop being stupid. But if you want to be stupid, go over there and be stupid on your own and leave the rest of us alone. Be aware that if you don't stop it, there's going to be a penalty and you ain't going to like it. Well, they're they're commingling because... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, what you are writing is is Yahweh's word in English. To the mm-hmm. best of your ability, better than anything I've ever seen, anything anyone else has ever seen. And that's not to just build you up with friends. I would have, you know, it's not, not yet. But no. so in, by definition, by definition, when you co-mingle your writings, you're taking God's word and using it to reinforce your crap. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and he don't like it either. Don't so like it. Why would you not? Right. No, he said, "Don't do that." No, don't do any it. Any circumstance. Does it, when so Yahweh devotes eleven chapters of his foremost prophet Yeshua to exposing and detailing this relationship between the Choder and the Nacker. Mm-hmm. And the fourth Zoroa um, with the Nesh sign. He's doing so for a reason. Yeah, this is, this is a gift. 2,400 years since a Yehudim or a Yisraelite engaged as a prophet or witness on behalf of Yahweh. 2,400 mm-hmm. years. God looked and found no one. Finally, he scrapes the bottom of the bucket, which is perfect for the arrogance of religious Jews, and found a goy. And because that goy wasn't all that bright, wasn't all that the least qualified, he gave him the full force of the spirit, seven aspects of his spirit, to equip him to do this job. And God wants his people to know that he has done this. So that they pay attention. What's the purpose of making this fuss unless God wants you to take this seriously? And that's why it's there. By the way, the, the conclusion of Yeshua says a whole lot about those who are part of this covenant family and team who are working to awaken the chosen people. Our lives are dedicated to serving you. We are here as your servants to convey this message to you.
to lift you up, to get your attention, to invite you to these mikre, these called out and Kodesh, very special meetings with God. That is why we're here. We're not here for ourselves. We're already part of the family. I'm going to tell you, our lives are so much easier, more enjoyable being anonymous. But that's not what God wants because he wants Kapuram to be a big party. And the only way for that to happen, since there are no Yehudim who are willing to engage and to tell this story the way that God wants it told using his words, we're bringing it to you. And you need to listen. You have very little time left. And there's just no alternatives out there. I wish there were. But they're not. And God's really clear about this. He goes on and on to say, I looked and there was no one. Not a single solitary soul. And my people chased after their own religion, their own way, their own halakha, their own walk. And from God's point of view, it was disgusting and reprehensible. But because he made a promise that he was going to reconcile his relationship with his people, he's going to honor that promise. And you might say, why would God stoop to working with Goy? Why would he do that? Availability. Who else? Because, because there was nobody else? How about that? Yeah. Because his people have been so arrogant that a, a big, huge slice of humble pie might be appropriate. Because there's very little time left. And since God never works alone, ever, under any circumstances, he always works through people. And the people he chooses to work with, yeah, man, there's a few of them that are extraordinary. Uh, even though Moshe was uh, 80 years old and a broken down, stuttering shepherd on the lamb. Not in his brain. I want to tell you, man, he was brilliant. He was courageous. He was passionate. He, he had the energy of, uh, of a thousand Energizer bunnies. That guy, he is special. <laughs> There's a reason that Yahweh chose him. He's an amazing individual. A man of character. And Dote, you know, Dote is the got the greatest resume in the history of humankind. Most articulate, most brilliant man who ever lived. So there are some people that God will work through that are just flat out extraordinary. But for the most part, they're like Adam. They're like Abraham. They're flawed. They're nobody special. But when God can make a just a dented and dull implement shine, then that becomes special. And that really is the whole concept of a choder, a sucker, of a Nakar, as observant foreigner, of a Zoroa, which is someone who sows the seeds. And um, that's where we are. Um, and there's 
No place else you can turn. We all wish there were. But there's no other place where Yahweh's name is proclaimed. There's no other place where his mikre are explained. There's no other place where the terms and conditions and benefits of his covenant are delineated. There's no other place where you're going to find an amplified and accurate translation of his words in the lingua franca of the world. There's no other place you're going to find these insights. And so um, it's important to God. And while we are flawed and imperfect, as I look on that bookshelf of the yadaya.com website, Y-A-D-A-Y-A-H.com, or yadayawa.com website, and you see those 20 books, there is a tremendous opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. All you need to know and more. And we're still just getting started. There'll be more and more and more. Take advantage of it. Join this family. Come to know Yahweh. Be passionate about his name. Walk away from religion. Walk away from politics. Walk away from conspiracy. Walk away from patriotism. And choose to walk to and be with Yahweh. He's fun, he's uplifting, he's brilliant, he's liberating, he's empowering, he's enriching. That is the message of Teruah, which results in Kippurim, so that we can all sukkah. So with that, uh, Kirk, I think we've come to the end of our program. We'll pick this up again. Yes, sir. Uh, next Look week. To it. Yeah, we didn't okay. make it very far in terms of uh, of statements, but That's pretty these big are stuff. some of the most important statements in the history of of um, humanity and of our relationship okay. with God. Here, here. Yep. So we'll look forward to being with you this time next week. Happy Teruah to one and all. We'll be um, on the cusp of Kapuram when we. We uh, re-engage at this time next week. May God bless you all. Good night. Shabbat shalom. Night.